It is a time for children this morning. I want to invite all our kids who are here, young and old, to come forward for our time together this morning. We have a story to share today. Good morning, Hamish. Hi, Lauren. Good morning, Lily. Hi, ladies. I'm glad you're here this morning. Well, you will notice we still have our sanctuary decorated so lovely this morning. At our house, we have been really excited this season when school was off. I mean, I know you've gone back to school because we were counting the 12 days of Christmas. You've heard the song, The 12 Days of Christmas? Starts on Christmas Day. That's day number one. And then you keep going all the way through January 5th. So what happens January 6th? Anybody that know the name of the next season after Christmas tide? Anybody want to read it off the bulletin? <laughs> Epiphany. It's a, and so today, that was, that was on the day, was on Friday. So today is the first Sunday after Epiphany. Any idea what Epiphany is about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do we have all covering besides ornaments? What else is all over our Christmas tree over here? Do you see? Lights. Lights. It's a season of light. And if you've hung around me very long, you know I love light. But it's not just the light that the Magi followed. It is the light. And it wasn't just there in that one place then, but it is now. And we seek to see that light. And so this is one of my favorite books. I've probably read it to you all before. But one of the reasons favorite books become my favorite books is because They can be about so many different things all at once. So as I read this story this morning, I wonder where you will see the light or perhaps where you will hear the light. Can we do that? Can we hear light sometimes? This story is called Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge by Mem Fox. I wonder where you will see the light. There was once a small boy called Wilfred Gordon MacDonald Partridge, and what's more, he wasn't very old either. His house was next door to an old people's home, and he knew all the people who lived there. He liked Mrs. Jordan, who played the organ. He listened to Mr. Hosking, who told him scary stories. He played with Mr. Tippett, who was crazy about cricket. He ran errands for Miss Mitchell, who walked with a wooden stick, and he admired Mr. Drysdale, who had a voice like a giant. But his favorite person of all was Miss Nancy Allison Delacourt Cooper, because she had four names just as he did. He called her Miss Nancy and told her all his secrets. One day, Wilfred Gordon heard his mother and father talking about Miss Nancy. Poor old thing, said his mother. Why is she a poor old thing, asked Wilfred Gordon. Because she's lost her memory, said his father. It isn't surprising, said his mother. After all, she's 96. What's a memory, asked Wilfred Gordon. He was always asking questions. It's something you remember, said his father. But Wilfred Gordon wanted to know more, so he called on Mrs. Jordan, who played the organ. What's a memory, he asked. Something warm, my child. Something warm. 
He called on Mr. Hosking, who told him scary stories. What's a memory, he asked. Something from long ago, my lad. Something from long ago. He called him Mr. Tippett, who was crazy about cricket. What's a memory, he asked. Something that makes you cry, my boy. Something that makes you cry. He called on Miss Mitchell, who walked with a wooden stick. What's a memory, he asked. Something that makes you laugh, my darling. Something that makes you laugh. He called on Mr. Drysdale, who had a voice like a giant. What's a memory, he asked. Something as precious as gold, young man. Something as precious as gold. So Wilfred Gordon went home again to look for memories for Miss Nancy because she had lost her own. He looked for the shoebox of shells he had found long ago last summer and put them gently in a basket. He found the puppet on strings, which always made everyone laugh, and he put that in the basket too. He remembered with sadness the medal which his grandfather had given him, and he placed it gently next to the shells. Next he found his football, which was as precious as gold. And last of all, on his way to Miss Nancy's, he went into the hen house and took a fresh, warm egg from under a hen. Then Wilfred Gordon called on Miss Nancy and gave her each thing one by one. What a dear, strange child to bring me all these wonderful things, thought Miss Nancy. Then she started to remember. She held the warm egg and told Wilfred Gordon about the tiny speckled blue egg she had once found in a bird's nest in her aunt's garden. She put a shell to her ear and remembered going to the beach by tram long ago and how hot she had felt in her button-up boots. She touched the metal and talked sadly of the big brother she had loved who had gone to the war and never returned. She smiled at the puppet on strings and remembered the one she had shown to her sister and how she had laughed with a mouthful of porridge. She bounced the football to Wilfred Gordon and remembered the day she had met him and all the secrets they told. And two of them smiled and smiled because Miss Nancy's memory had been found again by a small boy who wasn't very old either. Did you see the light? Did you hear stories of the light? I wonder where you will see the light today. I wonder where you might be the light today. Some might say that you aren't very old either. But the light is here in us every day. And nothing can put that out. And in that we have great hope and great joy. Dear God, we thank you for your light that guides us, lives in us, shines through us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.
And as Pastor Caroline said, it is indeed Epiphany Sunday. And so we are going to hear the story that goes along with this day. We are in Matthew chapter 2, and we will begin reading at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, Bring me words so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, And they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So at staff meeting this week, as we were doing our worship planning and and that kind of thing, um, the question came up about whether or not we needed to keep our Christmas decorations up, because it is January the 8th, right? It is past the 12 days of Christmas. And we noticed a peculiar thing. This is something that I noticed back in November is, as I was looking at my little worship planner. Um, it's the spiral thing that the United Methodist Publishing House um, puts together for planners of worship, and it has the four lectionary texts on one page, and then on the next page, there are suggestions for hymns and that kind of thing. And so as we were looking through it, we noticed that January 1st, which was last Sunday, New Year's Day, was the first Sunday of Christmas. And then this Sunday, January the 8th, was the baptism of the Lord. Well, those of us that plan worship were like, where's Epiphany? And they had texts and hymns suggested for the day, January the 6th on Thursday. Would y'all have come to an Epiphany service Thursday evening? 
I don't know, I'm being a little cheeky here. So I noticed on Facebook that some of my preacher friends said, is anybody else out there doing Epiphany this Sunday? Because that's what we're doing. So there are actually quite a few of us who are doing Epiphany today because it is such an important part of our story, is it not? It's interesting to look at this text and to try to look at it with fresh eyes because I think this text has as much baggage strung on it as any other text in the Bible, even more perhaps than Luke 2, which is the shepherds and the angels and the birth of Jesus, right? So Kitty and I had a discussion, too, about the hymn, We Three Kings, Excuse me if I'm meddling a little bit, but where did we get the idea that there were three? And where did we get the idea that the wise men were kings? The text doesn't tell us that. Maybe we came up with a number three because there are three gifts. And then if we consider our nativity scenes that a lot of us set up, all right, usually there are the three Kings that are part of the nativity set, right? And Diane Day Boone, who was raised in this church, was the one that taught me, you have to have your wise men traveling around your house. They don't get to the manger until January the 6th. And so she actually, at her, at her house, at the parsonage, she would have her three kings journeying around the house. <laughs> different places, until they would arrive at the manger on January the 6th. There are some themes, though, that are in this text that I think are very, very important. And one of these is that these men, these wise men, the magi, which means astrologer or those who dabble in magic or read tea leaves or chicken gizzards or whatever they do or study the heavens. These men are not insiders. They come from far away because they've been searching the heavens and trying to read the signs and the stars for important events. And they see this star and they decide to follow it. And it takes them into Jerusalem where they come into the court of one of the meanest kings around, King Herod. Now there's a contrast here between these wise men, these magi, who have been searching the heavens, and then those scribes and learned people that Herod then summons to check their story. The Magi from the East, they don't have the scriptures to guide them. They aren't in the know about what the prophecy says. And yet, Herod's scribes and learned people, they know Scripture inside out. 
And in fact, then they can tell him what the prophecy says about the Messiah who is to be born in Bethlehem. And it raises a question for me. Those who knew the scripture inside out, why didn't they go to Bethlehem and check it out for themselves? It's like they weren't even looking for God. But the wise men, they follow the sign that they have been given. And then they go to Bethlehem and they see the child. And the text says they pay him homage. And the Greek word that is used here is the word to literally prostrate oneself before a monarch. These wise men lay themselves on the floor and they worship this child. And what it is that they see is God enfleshed in a child that is worthy of their worship and then of their gifts. The word epiphany, of course, is a word that refers to something coming to light, something becoming visible. And what those wise men who do not have the benefit of all of the tradition of Scripture, what they see is God before them. And they recognize it. They offer themselves and they offer their gifts. It's a common mission trip question, isn't it? Where did you see God today? Right, Randy? Caroline? On confirmation retreat, we talk about where did you, did you see God today in your work? And oftentimes when that question is answered, it happens in the common stuff. We have a group that's going to be going to Sayer Brown next week. And they're going to be sitting at tables and they're going to be putting health kits together or birthing kits. And it is amazing when you put these little kits together, a hand towel and a washcloth and a toothbrush and a nail file and band-aids, six, no more, no less. And you wrap them up and you put them in a Ziploc bag and then you think about the person that's going to receive that. My friends, that's a God encounter. Writer Rick Bragg, he's a southern writer, lives in Alabama, wrote a piece about the tornadoes that hit Alabama in 2011. There were over 200 in Alabama in one day. And he says, a person that shows up with a chainsaw is worth umpteen of your CEOs. person that shows up with a chainsaw to help clear the way 
in his language, is a savior. That's a God encounter, my friends, in the everyday. And it's interesting to think about the wise men as they search the heavens and they are directed to the most everyday of scenes, a child with his mother. My friends, consider, where have you seen God lately? Let us follow the signs. Amen.